0: Welcome to Season 2, Episode 6 of That Teacher Podcast. In this episode, we speak with Principal Jeff Pete from Maitland Christian School all about taking schools on an improvement journey. Well, hi everyone and welcome to another episode of That Teacher Podcast. Great to have your company today, and on today's episode, I have a special guest who is the principal of Maitland Christian School, the school that I uh, currently work at as well. And so, I'll be working uh, alongside and and under your leadership, uh, Jeff. And it's so great to have you on the show today. So, Jeff, Pete, welcome.
1: Yeah, thanks, Josh. Great to be on the show, and well done on the podcast. Uh, my kids, are, my kids are telling me that their teaching friends are listening to it, and uh, you know, you're you're into people's commutes. So, well done on taking a passion of yours and bringing it to life. Congratulations.
0: Thank you. appreciate that. Today, Jeff, I thought I'd, I'd get you on the show. Uh, I think it's important that you, you have the principal get an opportunity to uh, to share from your heart and from your experience. You've had a, a wealth of experience, a long teaching career. But I do know that uh, when you arrived at our school, there was, uh, I guess, a journey that we've been on since you arrived. And I wanted to kind of get you to, to talk us through what that's been like and how the some of the changes that have happened. We know the education uh, is full of change it's one of the things that we just have to embrace I don't know if there's any industry that can really get away from change and education is one of those ones that just it's relentless it happens all the time you just got to have a good positive attitude about it um, you can't beat it so join it so I just thought we'd talk about how you've led through some of the changes that need to happen at, at our school and uh, I guess the, the first thing I wanted to quickly say before we get into the episodes today is I wanted, I wanted to say thank you uh, for your leadership you have definitely um, taken our school from uh, where it was to where it is today and I believe it is uh, on a a great journey of excellence and um, a lot of that comes down to many, many hours of of hard work from yourself and the board and the executives that work with you. Um, But a lot of that, you know, the buck stops with you often about some of the decisions that that are being made and so I just want to say thank you for that. You have made um, me a better teacher um, and I know a lot of our, our staff uh, at our school do appreciate the work that you've done over the, uh, the years that you've been at Maitland Christian School, so thank you for that.
1: Yeah, I just want to say thanks, and, look, schools go through seasons. I arrived at a really uh, good time. Um, you know, the previous principal had been the, the builder of buildings, um, and done a fantastic job you know the last demountables were gone uh, everybody was in a permanent classroom they were air conditioned and it was it, it was an opportunity to come to a school that was ready to build culture and it wasn't that people weren't doing that beforehand um but you know once you're all settled and you know you if you've done your last renovation it really is an opportunity to reflect on what's going on in the classrooms more so not that people weren't previously but you know in in this phase we're in a great phase of being able to build culture um, yeah, and you know, build on the culture that was already there and build the culture further.
0: Yeah, and I think that's what I'm uh, what I've seen over the last few years uh, has been that we've had a huge culture shift in the way that we operate at Maitland Christian School, and um, and so it's really great. It's great to see that happening.
1: It's one of the tensions actually that um, some schools are going for blingy buildings. We've probably heard on the side of we've got we've got good facilities, in modern facilities. But what happens in the classroom is what we want to make our number one focus whilst making sure that the buildings are adequate and well-resourced. So, um, you know, that culture, I think, is ultimately what's going to help the kids more than, um, you know, the the absolute commitment to the absolute, you know, blingiest buildings you can have. We've got great resources. Let's use them well and make sure that what goes on inside them um, and what goes on in transforming kids' lives is that stays at the forefront of what we're doing.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. So I guess, Jeff, let's um, maybe come go back to where some of the changes and the changing culture that you're talking about, where it began. Um, you know, we looked at some of the data and, and I know that you're uh, really interested in looking at data and making sure that decisions that are being made are, are based on good data. We don't want to be making decisions just on a hunch. Um, but you really analyse data well. It's one of your strengths. What was happening, I guess, a few years back that, made you uneasy and, and caused you to think that we may maybe needed to start to work on a few things as a school?
1: Yeah, interesting question. Um, this is, uh, you know, I think it's my fourth school that I've been in uh, and had a number of roles um, from, you know, PE teaching like yourself um, through to real teaching like mathematics, um, you know, um, some of the conversations that go on in the staff room and the friendly jibes. But uh, prior to arriving at this school, we'd, we'd gone to a smaller school in, uh, in a regional area uh, and it was being targeted by the uh, Gillard Government's Low SES National Partnership, a great program to really reach into our regional and rural communities where there's lots of uh, socioeconomic challenges, um, and I'm not saying that in, in a in a way that talks people down, I'm, I'm a black town Mount Druitt boy, I, I understand that that way and I'm thankful for um, growing up in an earthy part of the world. But there's a real focus there from the Gillard Government on seeing quality educational outcomes Uh, and kids are getting great numeracy and literacy skills. So uh, in a small school of, you know, less than 100 kids, very easy to do a spreadsheet and track everybody. So come to Maitland and it's 10 times the size nearly, but plug the data into the same spreadsheet. And there's some really encouraging things. Some sections of the school, um, our NAPLAN data, the growth was 40% above the state average. That means the kids are, you know, in two years, they're getting nearly, you know, three years worth of growth. That's fantastic. Any teacher would be delighted to see that. But then in, in, in some other sections that, you know, growth was 20%, 30 40% behind as well. So instead of the kids growing two years, they're growing, you know, 1.2 years. Now, it's not through lack of effort from the teachers, but something's not right, and particularly if it's a foundational skill like reading. Now, I'm a maths teacher. I'm coming out to say reading is probably the most important thing we'll teach our kids apart from their identity and who they are. That's probably going to serve them best in life, but out of the skills that we teach, uh, reading, you can't read, you can't learn. It's like the running of the classroom. So, we want to get our kids literate uh, and be able to read. And if their reading is not growing at the right rate, they're arriving in high school without the skills necessary to be able to understand, perceive, uh, think quickly. So, you know, they're, they're critical issues, and we had to have a look at that. So, that's very confronting, though, uh, starting to talk to people about results that aren't as strong as they should be.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It is. And, and uh, it's, but I guess having the data is one of the ways that you can, I guess you're blaming the data in a way. You're going, look, here's what the data says. And so no, it's no one's fault. It's no particular department and no particular person. But as a collective, um, our students aren't performing where we want them to be. Um, so what are we going to do about it? I guess is is the way that we can put it to the to the staff or to the teachers and to everyone. you know we we want it to be like this um, moving forward. And I think we were all on board saying, no, we don't want our reading results to be that kind of result. We want to improve them. So I think the data was a great way to kind of show everyone, hey, here's the real. and you you were always really good at saying, these aren't this isn't just data, these are faces, these are students. Um, and when you when you speak in that language, I think it helps teachers in particular to remember that we're not just looking at numbers on a page here. We're looking at students, uh, people's kids, and we want the best for them as teachers.
1: Yeah, and I think, but it, it, it's hard to have some of those conversations because teaching, nursing, even something like policing, um, which you know is in the media at the moment, a lot of people go into that because they care for people, and they tend to put their all into it. Um, you know, and it, it's it's a little bit tricky for teachers that are putting their all in and putting 50 to 60 hours to then say, what, well, you want me to work harder? I'm, I'm not doing well enough. So I think we've got to be really sensitive to just how committed teachers are to their kids. If those conversations haven't happened before, they can be really um, confronting And perhaps sometimes, you know, if we're not careful, they can be hurtful. But I think we have to get to the point and say um, this is not about any any personal agenda. It's not that you're not working hard enough. It's not that you're not a good teacher, not that you're not committed to your kids. I I, I do instructional rounds and universally all of my teachers are working the hardest they can and they are, you know, giving kids great education. But sometimes you look and go, oh, we've got a strategy that could make you, you know, do that in 10 minutes less or, you know, really give you a little bit more time because your heart is to impact your kids. So it's just looking at our effectiveness together and they're, they're bold conversations, but it's you know, no different than what we do when we hit 50 and we stand on the scales and go, I need to put some effective strategies in to look after my, my fitness and my well being as someone who's getting older as well.
0: Absolutely. And so I guess from that, from that data and, and back in those, those days, this was back around 2011, we then started to go on a bit of a journey of, of starting to uh, work on how we were going to turn that around and um, this is a great news story because, it, you know, it has turned around in many areas at our school. And so we just wanted to kind of encourage those who are listening today, I guess our story is, is one of um, looking at, you know, taking a, a good look at ourselves, realising that there needed to be some change and then going after some things, putting in the hard work to, uh, to see those changes come to fruition. So, so, Jeff, what were some of the things that we started to do? What were the steps that we started to take to address what we were seeing?
1: Well, I think there's some there's some fairly structural things you can do. Um, so we we sort of we started saying look, literacy will be first thing in the mo- in the morning for primary school. Um, that gets rid of the interruptions, and so we make sure that time is protected. Um, you you get a little bit of dividend out of that because the kids are learning in the morning. Um, the time's protected. Uh, teachers are at it when they're freshest as well. Um, not that I would say that by the end of the day, kids are any uh, less well taught. But those little structural changes give you a little bit of a, a boost. But Um, we, we looked at that and said ultimately we're going to need to be a little bit more effective. So that was in the early days of Hattie's research. So, you know, many people were putting visible learning on their bookshelf and starting to look at the things that were effect sizes, and that was really exciting, saying, look, there are things that can, you know, perhaps give you two years' worth of dividend in one year. Imagine if you could find something like that. So we started to talk and wrestle with what that might look like, but where do you go if that's something you haven't had conversations around before? So thankfully at that time, you know, there was a New South Wales government program that similarly looked at our data and looked at our socioeconomic status, and uh, we were invited to be part of a five-year improvement program uh, with a target in the primary school of uh, improving literacy and numeracy foundations. So that gave us some uh, critical friends, and I'd really encourage people, that critical friends um, who are ready to walk the journey with you is a really effective way to do uh, a, a, a learning journey, whether it be you and a colleague in school. Um, just saying, look, together we want to be more effective. Uh, But if you can find someone who's ahead of you and knows a little bit more than you do, find a a person like that or a school like that. We're we're all committed to the same thing Um, and there's people out there that will walk this journey with you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And there's also, um, I know that many schools can connect with an improvement partner. Um, Our school's done that a couple of times to try and target specific areas. And so there's ways to partner with um, educational improvement uh, groups to, to help you on that journey as well. And there's also grants that you can uh, receive and funding that you can receive for those improvements too. And so, so Jeff, talking about schools that you can partner with and, and partnerships, we, we did make some partnerships with a few different places in, in our journey, especially around the pedagogical approaches and the teaching approaches that we were taking. Can you talk us through, I guess, the thinking behind who we partnered with and and that whole process and how we, you know, got our teachers to be inspired by that and start to see it in action?
1: The journey for us there was we we sat down and we had a look at Hattie's research and said what works. And uh, initially we went with direct instruction. um, That was listed as being quite effective. So we we took a bold step and sent three staff to the US um, on a seven-day turnaround. They still tell me about that double jet lag um, blessing, but we went to the the best. If we're going to do DI, where's the best practice in DI? And you go to Oregon and, and, you know, in Eugene, they hold the international conference there. So three of our teachers went and immersed themselves and listened and really what would we need to do uh, to do this with integrity? So they came back and said, look, we don't need to go again. Um, we found a consultant that uh, coaches schools, that works with schools, that understands the heart of who we are as a, a small faith-based school as well. So we flew her out and she was very generous. Big shout out to Donna. We miss you, Donna. But she came for two weeks and really our educational leaders followed her around and watched how she taught people. Uh, and she's a big advocate of instructional coaching. So um, I guess our instructional coaches learned instructional coaching by watching someone do it for a couple of weeks and saw the power in that. So that was our first step is to who's doing it better, uh, what does it look like, and how are we going to do that really well? Let's not half commit to this. Um, let's do that. Um And we we saw a dividend in DI programs um, initially, uh, but Donna said, look, guys, this is integrated American curriculum. There's not enough time for you to do everything you need to. You're going to have to look further outside the box. So um, sometimes you go down the rabbit hole um, and it's a dead end. Other times you you have to take a turn and say um, this is where it's at. Now, staff find that a bit unsettling because it's change and change again. That's where that critical friend can be helpful sometimes to say, what did you learn on your journey of improvement? because with the amount, as you mentioned, the amount of change that teachers are doing to throw in a change and then another change, um, some people thrive on that. Um, that will send some people um, into the, well, can you please just tell me what I have to do uh, phase. So we want to care for our teachers as well. So we, we we did a reasonable job of that, but we then went looking for another person that we could learn from.
0: Yeah, and, uh, and I think what you're just saying there is so important, and that is that sometimes even just on the journey of, of trying to, um, you're not going to get it right first go. you know that sometimes as you're trying to wrestle with uh, the things that we need to do to, to shift culture and to change things, we are going to go down certain pathways and we'll learn things from that. but it may not be the end re- it may not be where we end up, but it was still important as part of the journey and I, I look at what Donna did for us at our school and um, although it didn't necessarily end up where we, where we were thinking it was going to end up, it was such an important part of showing us more and revealing to us more of what we could do to, to be a school of excellence in the area of instructional coaching and direct instruction. And it kind of brought us to a point where we started to realise that how, how good would it be if every single one of our teachers knew what uh, effective teaching practice looked like and if we could actually um, almost map it out so that teachers could see these, these strategies are effective and these are the ones that we would encourage you to use so that we weren't just guessing and so I know that at our school now, one of the one of the culture changes that I would say has has happened, Jeff, since you've arrived, is that I think every single one of our teachers would know what good teaching uh, looks like. They could tell you particular pedagogical practices that are effective practices, whereas maybe before that, it was not as clear. Um, maybe we didn't have as much clarity around that.
1: Yeah, and I think there's an important point there. The, the, the teachers were committed to their, their kids' well-being and learning. Um, but I think this is a reflection question to ask you as well is that, um, you know, what's it like when the principal walks into your room and says, Josh, I think you could actually be a little bit more effective by changing your practice. Like, you know, when I arrived at the school, the previous principal said, this is one of my gun teachers. You know, he's fantastic. We've got a top PE department. Um, there's no reason why, you know, you doubt these guys. And, and you were. You, you're a top PE department. We've got lots of top departments at our school. But you know how, how did you feel when someone comes in your room and says, "Hey, you could be a little bit more effective in this."
0: Yeah, it's um, it was a really uh, new experience. It hadn't happened really, and so um, it was you kind of step back and go, "What is you know what is this?" Um, someone coming in and watching me teach, uh, and then giving me feedback. And uh, I think teaching has been such a, a isolated job for so long, but one of the cultural changes that we've established now is all of our teachers are, are pretty much used to anyone being in their room coming in and watching and, and giving feedback. Um, it's just, you know, we, we kind of had a closed-door situation, not on purpose but just um, how, you know, it kind of was. Now it's sort of like kind of quite open door. People, anyone can come in, watch you teach and, and get something from that and um, I think that's one of the other cultural changes that have happened. Now that we've started to map out what good teaching looks like, Uh, A lot of our teachers are keen to go and watch other teachers teach. Uh, We've got instructional coaches going around and and seeing how everyone's teaching and walking a a positive sort of growth improvement journey with every single teacher. We're all kind of uh, speaking the same language when it comes to teaching. We're all talking about I do, we do, you do, checking for understanding, tackle, success criteria, learning intentions, Um, all those kinds of things are now ingrained and part of our our language and our culture. And so
1: one of the key changes is uh, I think that we learned is is not just what the teacher's doing because initially I think we started to look, are are the teacher's practices effective? But we're starting to really dig down to the level of what impact does this have on our kids' learning? Um, Yeah. And um, that's actually, I think that's a really good place to be because that's what we're in education for is we're there to impact kids. Uh, we need to care for our teachers as we do that. Um, but the brave conversations now are about um, what impact is this having in my classroom uh, and really getting kids to set learning goals and start to become effective measurers of their own learning. That's really exciting. Now, not everybody's at that yet. People are at different stages in their growth journey and they're focusing on different things. But to see teachers, you know, have kids setting their own learning goals and reflecting on where they're at and where they can go, a lot of that goes into Lynn Sharratt's work. So now, we really are saying to look more at instructional rounds and giving teachers feedback and using Sharratt's five learning questions. That That's a pilot for us. But I can tell you there's some, some teachers and classes that are hitting that way out of the ballpark. Um, but there's others that are doing exceptional practice. So, yeah, getting the practice right is good. Um, yeah. But then ultimately measuring the impact on kids has been, I think, the really ne- next exciting step for us. Um, and I'm looking forward to where that goes because the problem with school improvement is you never stop. Um, But that's the excitement of school improvement is you never stop because we can always be that little bit better.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And um, you never stop learning, right? As we move into the sort of part where we we start to look at where we're at now and the journey, you know, we we did do a lot of things to try and make some improvements in uh, student learning and, and teacher habits and pedagogical practices and instructional coaching. When you look at the data now compared to where we started, you know, what was some of the things that stood out to you?
1: I think between when we first looked at some of the data, so and, and look, the NAPLAN data is on the website, so anybody can go and look at any school. Parents do all the time. Um, we go through enrolment tours and they have a look and they tell me what they've looked at and um, I can, I'm happy to show them where we're winning, where we're still growing and what's next because, you know, if you look at our school, our reading results, our numeracy results have gone quite well and what's, what's really exciting is not just the raw results, it's the amount that kids are growing. So um, probably for three or four years there, we're averaging 10 to 20% better growth than across the state. So that means our kids are learning and growing better. If you look at our 2018 data, people go on, they're welcome to have a look at that. You know, it's the first time we sort of hit a flatline on probably 2019. Sorry, we're in 2020 now. We didn't get to do NAPLAN this year. We look very thoroughly at PAT though. Probably our PAT results are a lot stronger than our NAPLAN results. And we're looking at cohorts that, you know, are they half a year, a year, a year and a half, two two years ahead of where they, they would be. So we look at a couple of things. Some of it's public, some of it's not but we're, we're always looking closely. So I think where we're at is we saw um, our our overall results go up. Um, we saw our growth rates go up. But interestingly now, we have just hit a little bit of a flat spot. But I used to be a PE teacher. You're a PE teacher. You know that in coaching, um, you know we, we tend to knock out errors. We tend to improve technique and we see great improvement. But then to do the next stage of improvement is often a little bit harder because we've got to then really refine on some of the finer points of practice. So I'm not worried by that. I actually think that, you know, you you can't keep going 100% improvement all the time. You are going to hit flat spots and what you do in response to that um, is what a good school does. You have robust conversations, you talk about it, you have a look, you you dig in, you see where can we see this happening. But um, you've got to do it as a team, I think, and really say how can we together do this. That is a change from where perhaps teaching was 20 or 30 years ago where I went to my classroom and I did my teaching I am still in my classroom, but I'm part of a team that's on a really exciting journey of improving these kids together.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Jeff. it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show today. And it's hard to kind of articulate, I guess, the the journey that we've been on without actually seeing the data and, and that kind of thing. So for those who are listening, the important message from today's show is that you know, use, use some sort of data or data means to see how things are going. You, you've got to measure how you are going and, uh, and use whatever data you can get your hands on to make a start. And then from there, it's, it's so important that you start to have some discussions and robust discussions about, you know, what it is that you want to be working towards. Um, make sure that you find some partnerships uh, with people or schools that are down the track further than you are. And, and do it together, do it collaboratively, do it with a positive mindset that, you know, we're in it for the journey um, and enjoy the journey, not just the outcome. Uh, and, and the, you know, we're teachers. We're, we should be enjoying the learning. We tell our students to enjoy learning um, and learning is a bit of a wrestle and sometimes we, you know, we feel like we're going backwards, but even in the wrestle, we can still have, uh, I guess, cohesive and, and fun doing that together. So, and, and then the results will come, you know, as you work on the right things with the right approach, um, partnering with the right people, um, you will see your results change and shift.
1: Yeah, and I think one or two things. Firstly, um, uh, you know, if we're giving credit, we, we had another partner school in West Australia who were very generous. Um, Greg and his team over there um, were very generous. We, we were told that, you know, there's a school where kids are one to two years ahead of their class on average. That didn't sound believable until we went there and had a look at a school that was alight with quality practice and instructional coaching. So uh, we want to give a big, a big thank you to them. Um, but another thing for teachers to reflect on is um, the concept of we give kids 70 or 80% all the time. Sometimes we give them 50s, 60s and 40s um, in tests. We don't cope sometimes as well when we see those results on ourselves. That starts a whole conversation of how we give feedback to kids and how we deal with feedback on our own learning. Because learning to accept feedback with the heart that it's given, even if sometimes it's hard, I think is the, is, is the journey of a really good teacher. And I know, look, teachers get too many complaints. You know, they often hear when things aren't working. Um, if you're listening to this and you've got a teacher that's good, send them an email. If you've got a colleague that's good, send them an email. Tell them that you appreciate them uh, because we they, they thrive on that. And, you know, the end of year is always nice. Christmas is a lovely time. We've got lots of generous members in our school community but those little snippets that come through and say thanks for the work you're doing if you're listening do that to one of your teachers that you know today
0: yeah absolutely great advice jeff and uh well i want to say thank you for, again for joining us today on that teacher podcast thank you jeff pete for your time i know you're a very very busy man uh and you're willing to uh to be on the show today and it's been great to chat about um, our school's journey um and in the exciting road ahead for us and what's next for us um, more change, I expect. Uh, you just got to embrace it and run with it. It's going to be good. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna hit the next uh, hurdle with everything we've got. So, for all those who are listening to this, that teacher podcast is available on Facebook. You can find us uh, on there. There's a that teacher podcast Facebook page and a Facebook group. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and all that good stuff. You can subscribe to that teacher podcast, and that way you'll never miss an episode. Thanks again for listening and until next time, it's bye for now.